ready to rock. What does this knob do? <laughs> People say that to me a lot, actually. What does this knob do? And I'm like, I, I'm a fucking radio presenter, mate. You know what I mean? Don't be so rude. Just what is it that you want to do? Thank you for hitting play on this post-Rona rock and roller non-post-Bona Bona Fide ride through a Celebrity's Perfect Festival lineup. Clearly, you have exceptional taste. Why else would you be here? Sean Keaton's got a new podcast. That's not the reason. Okay, well, should we get on with it then? Let's emerge from this imaginary tent, step into the beautiful mind of this episode's guest, another one of my favourite human beings. One, I'm Sean Keaveney, and if you haven't figured it out already, this is the lineup. I even don't mind a bit of country and western. You put a kick drum on the back of some of that stuff, it's pretty good. <laughs> Today's festival legend is a rave pioneer who can heighten your senses with the flick of a switch or the twist of a knob. Rave, acid house, techno. He's been at the front of more waves than Brighton Seafront. He's had a 15-year summer residency at Space in Ibiza, which he concluded with a 10-hour set. 10 hours! 600 minutes! That's a long time to go without a wee. He's done Creamfields, Glastonbury, Tomorrowland. He's frankly wrote the book on DJing Electronica to bring the party people. He actually has just written a book, a memoir called Oh Yes, Oh Yes. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the lineup. Carl Cox. Hiya, Carl. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Thank you very much for that. I feel very honoured uh, and very privileged and proud to, to know you. Well, wow. <laughs> With such an intro like that. It's so reciprocated. It's, it's just really exciting to finally talk to you because it's like, I can't really explain how iconic the name Carl Cox is and, and how much it's sort of reverberated in my consciousness for like 30 years. It's like you talk about dance music and there are certain names that just pop in, you know, and Fat Boy might be one of them or, you know, Danny Rampling might be one of them from my vintage and then Carl Cox is always in there, you know. So it's, it's really exciting. Are you actually looking forward to the opportunity of creating your own festival though? You know, I've, I have done uh, a few of my own little festivals. Um, of course. Under the name of Carl Cox. And, um, yeah, I don't want to be doing it in my own festivals. <laughs> you can keep them and shove them up, yeah. Uh-uh. Um, the problem is, there's so much work that you have to do. The infrastructure of creating a festival is an absolute logistical nightmare. I'm just far better off rocking up with my whatever records or, or CDs or whatever. And and obviously thanking the promoters and, and, and management teams and everyone that puts these things together. And if, if they give me the stage to perform from, and then I am more than happy to do that. That's the thing I'm more than happy to do. To set one up, it's like absolutely not. No way, Jose. Because Okay, <laughs> so there you go. Because, you, of course, you've done it under your name in the past. Um, but then you've, mm. you've got to think about, instead of just thinking about the beats, instead of just thinking about the music, instead of thinking about the euphoria, you've got to think about the toilets. You've got to think about the health and safety. You've got to think about the form filling, where the lorries are going to park. I mean, that's, is that what we're, that's the thing you want to avoid, isn't it? You've got to talk to police. You've got to talk to the people who are on the grounds. You've got to talk to God to make sure that it doesn't rain, please. And what happens? It, it rains. <laughs> You're like, you can't get away from, from the weather gods. And then people don't turn up. Oh, it's raining. Yeah, but you're not going to die because yeah. you're going to get wet. <laughs> Actually, you're going to have probably a better time, but you might get, you know, hypothermia afterwards. <laughs> but while you're having a good time, my beer was, wasn't cold enough. I had a hot dog and I only got half a hot dog and all this sort of stuff. And, and it's like people just afterwards complain that their festival was shit because... 
You know, I didn't, I didn't get my money's worth. Hang about, you've got like a lineup of about a million people, great sound system, lasers, you know, what I mean? got some confetti maybe. You met your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend there. You got all this stuff. And the promoter still gets blamed because someone played the wrong record. Well, <laughs> or the wrong track or something. <laughs> like, Jesus. Well, before we alight from that, before we, before we move away from that, you're going to be one of the few people maybe that we talked to who's done his own festival. So, what was the, when you've put things on of that scale, what, what were the sort of highlights and the lowlights for you? What were the best moments and the, the most harrowing low points? Yeah, well, the, the highlight was that people turned up. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh my God, they actually came because I'm putting the festival on. The lowlights was, it pissed down the whole weekend. <laughs> I'm like, if it was only dry, if it was only a dry weekend, you know, give us a break, please. It would have been a little bit different. But uh, it was uh, the, the first and last festival that I had done. Okay. And I know... In the end of the day, I was not cut, not out, cut out for, for that. But my blood, blood pressure can't handle it. I can't handle it. You know, I don't want to turn to drink or anything else just to get past the weekend. It's like, I'll leave that up to the professionals. They know what they're doing. That's brilliant. <laughs> and, and you're right, because even if you're Jeff Bezos and you start your own festival, you can't control the weather yet. I mean, give him another five years and he probably will, but not at the moment. <laughs> You know, so the good thing is, Carl, you can relax because this is an imaginary festival, right? We don't have to worry about uh, the bogs. We don't have to worry about the weather. Uh, okay. okay? Um, <laughs> what, like what are we going to call it? I, I, I think we should call it something, maybe Carl Stock or Coxapalooza. Or we can maybe come back to that. But, you know, if you've got a thought on that. Well, I would call it Coxfest because yeah. you can play on words yeah. on that. I think that's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Coxfest, spell it how you want. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, and it's an Im- <laughs> it's up to you, you know. This is imaginary. You can do what you want. What we're going to do first, right? I'm going to paint you a little picture here, Carl. Okay. okay. We've arrived the night before at this. It's it's just the most spectacular vista you've ever seen. Uh, it's it's even more beautiful than Glastonbury. It's like a perfect yeah. Eden. The the weather aforementioned has been gorgeous. We spent like I drove you up last night in our camper van, <laughs> and we set up our we've set up our Uber tent. We've got some drinks on the chiller there. Everything's perfect, and we've woken up, and it's the dawn chorus. Okay, we're up at the crack of dawn. There's still dew on the grass. Now, what is the first thing that you want to do? or see in this situation, Carl? Well, first and foremost, I've got to go for a piss because, you know, I'm dying. I've been, you know, I've been in that car for hours. You know what I mean? You know, in Australia, we call them dannies. Uh, obviously, in England, we yeah. call them toilets. And that's the first thing I want to do, just go for a pee. Yeah. Just, it's just got to happen. After that, I have a bit of a stretch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, good morning. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. We've arrived. You can smell... Cow pats yeah. everywhere. That's the That's you know you're in the countryside. That's the first thing that you smell with the cow pats. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, there's cows around. Yeah. Maybe some chickens. Yeah. But there's certainly cows. And then you try and find something to eat. Here we or go. if you've got some really great mates and one of them's a chef. Yeah. They're on it. They've got some bacon, yeah. they've got some eggs going on the go, they've got some bread on the go, maybe a coffee, yeah. have a flask, who knows? Yeah. And then that's it. And then in the background. You can hear some some bands rehearsing. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then, you can, then you think, right, I'll be back. I'm just going to go and check out the noise. Yeah, and you go scrummaging, you know, through the woods and stuff. And you, you come out and you, you see the band and you think, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're doing like one, two, three. Oh, you know, they're playing away and yeah. Go, no, 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 John, that's rubbish. Do that again. <laughs> now you one, two, and it's like a couple more dumb bum notes. You just sit there watching, the, you know, this complete car crash. 
And you think, oh, they're going to be rubbish when, <laughs> when they actually come out. And when they do come out, they're actually brilliant. <laughs> this is what you want That's to say. That's why they rehearse. That's why people rehearse. I realise now, it's taken me 20 years in this business to understand that. Well, are you? Would it, would it be fair to say that you uh, are a camper? Have you camped in the past when you were a kid? Did you get taken camping? Have you got some camping history? My camping history basically goes back when I was a scout. I didn't know that. Boy scout. That's the only time. And back in my day, you know, you had the poles and you had rope. Yeah. And you had yeah. the like metal pegs. No, wooden pegs that you bashed into the into the ground, which never stayed. <laughs> and uh, the, the tent was never taunt. No. And, uh, and it would be just sad, really. It would just be sagging everywhere. And I, I just know that camping was not for me. So, okay. you know, I'd, I'd, if someone's going to set up a camping for me, it would be more like a glamping. Yes. Camp. Of course. And uh, we've got like a TV in there, a bit of air conditioning. We've got like a blow-up bed, blow-up kind of settee. And that's kind of like the kind of degree of my camping. And if if I do it any other way, it's by an RV that rolls in yeah. and has all those niceties in there. So, you know what, Carl? I guessed as much. What, what I didn't know is that you were a scout. That's a beautiful image, Carl Cox, the scout. You know, were you doing the whole dib, 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 dob, dob, dob? Did you dob, do the dob, knots dob. and everything? Did you did you get that far? Yeah. You did? Yeah, we yeah we had to walk with the woggle and everything, you oh, know. Man. And I was very, very proud of that. I, I mean, we, we used to do camping all the time when, when I was in the Scouts. And I think it was kind of like a grounding exercise for anyone, you know, because they always felt that somewhere on the line, you know, you'd be going to Glastonbury or something. <laughs> so it would be handy to know, know your knots before you go. <laughs> Which, of course, you really need when you're in a, in a, in a £160,000 RV. You, you really need to know those knots. Um, you really do. And you'd goggle and you'd toggle. <laughs> you know, you've reminded me of the time. It was 10 years ago, Glastonbury 2011, and me and Keris Matthews got invited into BB King's RV to wow. interview him. Yes, we did. And we, I don't wow. know how we managed it. Uh, one of the my ultimate heroes of, of music. And we, were, we had 10 minutes with BB. I always tell this story. And there was a colossal <laughs> TV like a 60-inch a television and the football was on or something and uh, we couldn't turn the bastard thing off. So we spent six minutes trying to find this remote control to turn off the, the football on the telly. We got <laughs> we got three and a half minutes talking to BB King and then we got told to sod off. Wow. So uh, <laughs> these things happen. Right. Let me ask right. you though then, so it's such a beautifully painted picture of your, of your dawn chorus morning at this perfect Eden of a festival. <laughs> Remember, this is entirely possible. It doesn't matter if they're alive or dead. Who was that band that was soundtracking the beginning of your festival experience? <laughs> at that particular time, it was a prodigy. Ah! <laughs> What? I mean, this is where you're setting the bar pretty high, aren't you? <laughs> well, the thing is, the Apology can't put a foot wrong, yeah. and they, they don't put a foot wrong when you see them actually getting at it, you know, live. But when you've kind of you've got, like, live guitars and you've got live drummers fusing themselves with the uh, with the machines, you know, you need that needs to be rehearsed. And, uh, you know, at the beginning, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was... <laughs> It was interesting to you because know, you could just hear the drums and the guitar, you know, and the poor old Liam in the background trying to get his 909 in there. It's like, come on, boys, keep up with the metronome. <laughs> you, mu you must have had a lot of 90s experiences in particular with the Prodigy on the road and stuff. Did you do festivals with them back in the day? Yeah, all the time. It was it was kind of me as a DJ as as the uh, as highlight, and 
and the prodigy as a live act as a highlight. So you put me and me and, and Liam on, and it was always sold out, always madness, always crazy. A lot of respect for each other in in that aspect, always. I, I actually did have a live concept at one point called the Carl Cox concept, and I still have aspirations of going live today. Wow! Based on I've just been signed by BMG yeah. for two album deal based on my my live act music. So it's come around 30 yeah. years later for me to be doing exactly what I would like to have done 30 years ago. God. So taken a while, but uh, we, we got there. So that's coming out in the in the near and distant future. And so that will, will that be with like a sort of full band, like Prodigy, like drums and guitar and stuff like that to, to meet it all out in a live fashion? Yeah, no, it's going to be completely electronic wow. um, from my point of view. And I'm kind of steering the, the shit. So I'm kind of like, the black Jean-Michel Jarre, basically, <laughs> yeah, of, of the techno world. And, uh, you know, I won't be wearing a cape or anything. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll save you from that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I have actually done done live shows. I've done some live streaming shows already with what I profess to be doing in the future. And I, you know, get inspired by the bands like The Prodigy and Chemicals and that kind oh. of stuff to do what, what I would like to have done a long time ago, but now in a position to kind of do something else outside yeah. of DJing. So what's going to happen is now is that the questions you're asking me to someone else about, you know, waking up in the morning and hearing someone yeah. rehearsing and sounding really bad, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> until until, get, until it's all right on the night. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if anybody's going to perfect it, it's going to be you. I mean, in 30 years, it's a bit, you reminded me of Tom Daly, who's just won a gold medal after four Olympics. You know, the, you you oh. people, your inspirations, you know, maybe I can finally get my solo album out, Carl, you know. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it, Sean. I understand that. <laughs> well, there's always that kind of profession in some ways of saying never give up. Yeah. So, that's <laughs> it. never gave up. <laughs> that's it. Take that away if nothing else from today. <laughs> Right, here we go. You look to your left. It's too late to go to the bar. You look to your right. You don't need the loo anyway. You look over your shoulder. 50,000 strong. Look at that lot. The lineups put you in prime position. One epic shot for Instagram. And while we have you captivated, poised, ready, phone out, why not quickly jump back into your podcast platform and follow us? Go on, boom! One click, don't miss out on the next episode of my beautiful podcast. How does that sound? Thought so. Here we go. We'll talk about the... But the, the first festival that you went to maybe as a punter, were you a festival goer before you started to play them or was it the other way around, really? No, I never went to festivals. Mm. I always played them. And uh, like Reading Festival, V Festival, most of the kind of like rock festivals, you know, they never really had dance kind of like DJs or dance music at any point. So I would say my first real true festival which I played at was Glastonbury. Yeah. And this goes back to 1996 when they decided to give us some sort of offering yeah. and uh, they gave us a tent of, of, of about 8,000 people. Mark Oliver's was just like, yeah, they'll never get 8,000 people because, you know, we're a rock festival and yeah. wilderness festival and we're, we're all about folk music yeah. and dancing around, you know, around the willow trees and stuff. <laughs> um, all depends uh, where you was in your life at that particular time. Dance music? No. Oh, no. no. Anyway, so I go on and there's 25,000 people at it going nuts. So there's a picture 
out there somewhere. They were looking at our tent, which was supposed to be for 8,000 people. They rolled the sides up. And it's, all you can see is just people on the outside of it trying to get in with this madness. It was just epic to the point that they had to eventually make a dance music village. And now they have to have dance music at Glastonbury because of that moment. And I was at the last Glastonbury and it's still bloody awesome. So. I mean, <laughs> so that was Glastonbury 96. And, 96. Because yeah. by that time, sort of everything really, sort of, you know, rave and acid house and it, techno, you, you've been at the forefront of all these these different movements and it was it was colossal by this point, wasn't it? But it, I think like you've pointed out, it was almost as though rave music and dance music and, and, and rock music were completely sort of separate entities, weren't they, at that point? Mm. You sort of brought it into the mainstream or helped to bring it into the mainstream at that point, didn't you? Yeah, well, well, at that particular time, I thought we were going to be dead on our feet because Goldie had released his album, Timeless, at the time, and he was live with all his musicians and stuff, and I thought all the industry would be over there. And The Cure was on at the other tent, and I thought, oh, well, you know, we're not going to get that side of it either. So we're just stuffed with just, you know, ravers or, or just people looking at us going, get out, go on your rubbish, where's all the guitars? And it was the opposite. It was me, System 7 was there. Kenny Larkin was there, quite a few people. And it was it was phenomenal. I I just, you know, I was just some black kid with some, you know, with some records that played raves around the country, was invited to do this. I've got paid nothing, but it was just the experience of it all, and that's why I went for and and had the best time. It basically made the point of history for them. So. Yeah. I'm very, very happy and very proud about that. It's beautiful. And and it, we're talking, at this point, we're talking about the, the sort of best and the worst things that, that can happen at festivals. And I guess playing to 25,000 people at Glastonbury when everybody's expecting you to fail, essentially, is one of the best. But, I mean, listen, Carl, you've probably heard, but I've DJed a bit myself, yeah? I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've dropped a few tunes over the years, you know, upstairs in the Dog and Duck, amongst other places. And um, y- things can go wrong very quickly. In, in, a, in a technological yeah. setting, can't they? You know what I mean? It only takes a, an alien board and one lead not to be in existence or to not be working to f- the whole thing up. Have you got any examples of when something's gone terribly wrong and, and you've you've been left feeling like a complete numpty? It's a prodigy story. Hey! Those <laughs> boys. Okay, so, so I was at the Reading Festival. I've gone into the tent, you know, I've gone in there like 45 minutes before, went to see the boys, and the tent's packed out, it's rammed. And the people are going crazy. The sounds is big and brash and the crowd are going mad. And I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Got my first record ready. Meanwhile, I can see all these speakers just disappearing. And I'm like thinking, hang on. So I'll get the same sound of what the podders you have. And the, and the guy goes, nah, mate. He goes, they bought their own rigging. I said, this is your sound. <laughs> I was cheating up 85% of the people that was in that tent left. God. I'm like, turn the sound up. They said, no, unfortunately, we have to turn it down because we was only given a grant to allow the prodigy for an hour and a half they were on to give them something like 108 dBs. And because of what we've given them for the DJ was something like 82 dBs. What? And them's are the rules. So no matter what record I was going to play, Nelly the Elephant, it doesn't matter what was going to happen, the crowd were going to leave because yeah. they've had this time with the prodigy. But to see people leaving, I had no sound. No, so you can imagine, for me to be left with like two monitors, 
One pointed to the crowd no. to give them a bit more sound. I'm telling you, I cannot lie. It was unbelievable. I probably, I probably pulled back and maybe about another 25, 30% of them. <laughs> that's about it. But that's actually a really interesting point about, well, not only performers in whatever it, guys it might be in Acid House, in Rave, in Techno, but any performer, volume plays a very big part, doesn't it? It's important. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, when you come on off to someone like The Prodigy, you need someone that's got some balls, yeah. some, some energy or some, something. Yeah. I was literally, someone's got one of my nads and just gone, <laughs> thrown it over my shoulder and just said, uh, get on with that, Coxie. It's, so, a bit, it's a bit like, the, the, speaking of other festivals, the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967 when the, Jimi Hendrix and The Who were arguing about who was going to go on after who. Jimi Hendrix had to go on after The Who and so that's why he, he set fire to his guitar and smashed it up. Because he's like, I've got to top it somehow, you know. But you, it's very difficult for you to do that with, you know, with a 909 or something, isn't it? Or with a, you don't want to be doing that. It's expensive equipment. I, I had no control on that whatsoever. You know, I've, I've kind of looking at the promoters and everything at the time. They're like, you're all right. I'm like, not really. <laughs> not really. You know, can't you turn it up a bit? And they're like, nah, I'm sorry, mate. You know, we just can't. This, this is it. I'm just like, so I, I kind of learned a bit of a lesson by what not to do in some ways, when you put in a situation like that. We've had the prodigy to sort of, to, to wake us up uh, right at the beginning <laughs> of the day. Oh, yeah. Let's slot a band in here. Of of all the festivals that you've played at, you've been side of stage or you've managed to get out, what has been the one that's blown your socks off the most? Um, I didn't really... Really want them to blow my socks off, actually. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I, I, I've heard a lot about them. I was just thinking, oh, do I really need to subject myself to this <laughs> style of music? Really? My friends are like, you've got to go and see them. They're brilliant. And it's Coldplay. Yeah, okay. Coldplay. They, they get you, don't they? It's just the fact that they're just really likeable people and likeable music. And it's and I get it, you know? I mean, and I, I respect musicians and, and, every, and I'm very open-minded when it comes to the music and the sound that anyone creates, you know. I even don't mind a bit of country and western. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. I've said it. I've a bit of it. Hank Williams on Carl's <laughs> playlist. Jim Reeves oh, and the Perry yeah. Como. He put a kick drum on the back of some of that stuff. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but Coldplay, I mean, what a, they're just an epic band on all proportions. And they really do gather you in. They're just great musicians and they work really, really well together. And and they're, and they're, they're just epic, you know, yeah. phenomenal of the success that they've had without actually smashing the doors down. They've yeah. just done it. They've just gone out there and said, this is what we do. Like us or hate us. So when I've got a face of Coldplay, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep now. We're going to yeah. go and get a beer, you know, just so now. And they start singing and they start, you know, putting those tracks together and just thinking, fuck me, dude, these guys are... Amazing. <laughs> did you? Absolutely did you? Amazing. I, I'll probably ask this of, of all the alive acts, at least. Do, have you? Have your paths crossed at different events and stuff, or have you? Only, have you just sort of seen them? Um, the only times the paths has crossed, really, it, it, obviously, some s- certain festivals in Europe and and that kind of stuff. You know, uh, Doctor No Festival, I think they were on, mm. uh, and where else were they? Rock in Rio. I oh think my they were playing God! There as well. What a gig! Um, yeah, Rock in Rio. So I've done. I like you know, Dance Arena over there. Yeah. You know, live bands over there, sort of thing. Coldplay. But again, you know, it was Glastonbury where I, where I got to see them and where I was. That's yeah, that's sort of their, it's them. almost like their home, isn't it? Glastonbury in a sense. They've sort of really it blew me that. away. <laughs> I saw them, I was just like, wow. Okay, I'm like, 
Okay, I'll get them. Well, and uh, arguably, I feel yeah. I feel a bit like they've edged a bit t- more towards the the sort of uh, your kind your side of music in a sense. The the music's become a bit more electronic and a little bit more, I would say, a little bit more dancey in a sense. You know, they started off as a pure indie band, and and a lot of their bigger hits now, like my my thirteen year old was mad about you know Adventure of a Lifetime and all these sort of tracks because they are sort of there's a lot more sequencing and a lot more electronica in them. Yeah, they, they, they have. I don't think they're the best at it. And I think they, they've dipped their toe in the water with that and connected with, with another generation of people uh, that they probably would never have had. And I love them for that. I think they're, you know, they're not scared of you know, joining a merry band of, of electronic artists that actually have some sort of talent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to do that. And, so, and it really worked, you know, at the end of the day. But they... They're just a band that are just timeless and they just can keep continuing doing what they do at at their level yeah. at the end of the day. They don't exactly. need to have hit records on, you know, to be relevant still. They, they, are, they will always be relevant. And I love them for that. And the only time I actually got to meet, not meet them, but I had I was in kind of close proximity to them is when I went to the Enemy uh, Awards. Oh, yeah. And uh, they was in front of me and they were getting all of this attention and I kind of walked past them and, uh, and I wasn't getting any attention. <laughs> Oh mate, I can't believe that even happens to you. That yeah. that that, re- that reminds me of the Mercury Music Prize 2014 when uh, I I, w- I walked in and I thought I was looking all sharp and I thought I was turning a few heads, but actually it was because Alex Turner was standing behind me from the Arctic Monkeys, so it wasn't anything like- to do with me. What, what's a guy got to do to get some attention around here? You know. <laughs> So that's good. That's that. We've got Coldplay on the bill now, and it, we're going to move on to the lull part of of any day a festival. Okay, it gets a bit much mid festival sometimes. We've gone past lunch. Maybe we've. <laughs> what do you think, Carl? Do you think we've been for a falafel or something? Because that, that's what I like about a lot of the boutique festivals, especially now, is that it's not like in the eighties and nineties where the food was shite. There's like this panoply of great stuff. You could get a wood-fired pizza over there. You could get a delicious full. There's a big queue for the falafels. You know what? What you you're a bit hungry now. You've had a you you, you might have had a couple of refreshments. First of all, what's happening for well, lunch? It, the, the lunch is always important. And the thing is, what you don't really want to be doing is try and stay of anything spicy. Try and stay <laughs> of anything stodgy. That yeah, might need to, you down. Yeah, that might need to come out at some point. <laughs> so you, you really need to be mindful of what you what the decisions of what you make could could either make or break your festival experience. Oh, that's great! Because when you do have to go to the toilet <laughs> at some point, it's not the most pleasant of experiences. No. It never has, and it never will. So you don't want to kind of force that issue by chucking down some some you know kebabs with the most amazing chili sauce you've ever had, whatever. You're going to miss your favourite band. You're going to miss that moment with that girlfriend of yours where you think, oh, yeah, you know what? Well, you've been the, the most amazing thing in, that's ever happened in my life. Meanwhile, I'll be back in a minute because <laughs> I need to go for a crap. 
because of what I had this afternoon. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, love. Yeah. And she knows you've come out and you've kind of washed your hands on something. But it's not. But you can't put your hands through your, your fingers through her hair knowing you've just been to the toilet. <laughs> so this kind of stuff is really important. If you can, mm. at any point, find somewhere that does halloumi burgers. <gasps> yes. That's the key to your success. Oh, you can't go halloumi wrong burger. because you can't undercook it. It's delicious, it's nutritious, it's light. This is like yeah. a, the culinary Carl Cox moment, isn't it? I mean, we we, we might be talking ourselves into a, a Channel 4 cookery programme here, you know, but we'll just, we, we'll, we've gone off piece a little bit. But, you know, but, but festivals, and especially dance music culture and, and dance music festivals, do tend towards hedonism, don't they? <laughs> what is your relationship been with, with all that side of it as a performer, as a consumer of the music? Have you indulged in that side much or do you sort of keep away from it what's what's the deal with that uh, look, I look I mean I I try and drink as much scrumpy uh, <laughs> as possible scrumpy cider that shit gets you absolutely messed up scrumpy cider and, <laughs> and then you you don't know who you're with you don't know where you're going and you probably don't know where you've been or anything kind of close to that yeah. kind of cloudy cider which I do do at festivals <laughs> yeah, which is awesome <laughs> That's the stuff. Forget everything else, yeah. okay? Forget about it. This, old rosy, cloudy cider, scrumpy, all good. <laughs> and you know where you are with it, don't you? Well, it's, actually, it takes your legs out. It does take your legs out. But it's it, it, uh, unlike a lot of the other more chemical things, they're a bit more nefarious, aren't they? You can't, you can't always, not that I would know, but it's much more difficult to sort of gauge how that's going to react with you. Whereas three or four pints of scrumpy, you know where you are, having a lie down under the mixing desk is where you are. <laughs> For a couple of hours before you have to perform, you know. I've actually been there with that. <laughs> so, so I can attest to, to something that I kind of can remember. Yeah. I remember actually being um, at Best of All and it was, a, it was a bit of a dress up that they do on a oh, Saturday yeah. there. Uh, and the Friday night, is uh, you kind of kind of get into it. You know, civilian clothes yeah. on a Friday. And Saturday, I was, I was kind of dressed up as a, as a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this penguin suit on. And I've kind of wore this because I didn't really want people to notice it. It was me in the middle of everything. Yeah. Oh, nice. A little disguise. So I'm kind of going around there, you know, in the in the middle of the dance floor, really enjoying the DJs and, and Sheik was on and all oh, sorts yeah. of good times and that. And I've got me scrumpy cider. But when you want a penguin suit on, you've got no hands. <laughs> so so you, you're kind of literally kind of cupping the disparity. With your, with your flippers, trying to get it down your beak, <laughs> and I and I got so disorientated, I fell over. <laughs> I wanted to be back with the scrumpy, just rolling around laughing with my mates, and it was one of the most funniest. I don't think I've ever laughed so much oh. in the whole of my bald days, apart from me and this. And I wore it all the way back <laughs> to my RV and everything. I just hilarious. wore the whole thing there. I just and the next day I carried on wearing it. Everyone wasn't wearing their suit. Though. I just loved it. It was oh. so funny wearing this suit. I wish I had a picture of it somewhere. Oh God! Um, it, 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 he wouldn't believe it. I, I actually think I met. I did. Yeah, I met Noel Rogers. You met Noel Rogers dressed as a penguin. Yeah, this is brilliant. I, I think I was there. That was, I did, maybe she, she played a few times, but I was certainly there. I think it was 2014 when they played. And it was just... Yeah, yeah it, it, was at, it was at that time. I, I was, remember uh, seeing a uh, penguin now. 
<laughs> I thought that it was something somebody had put in my scrumpy. It's bloody Carl Cox. <laughs> so you met that? Noel Rogers, and what was his reaction as he met Carl Cox, a.k.a. Well, Penguin? I had to take, I had to take the, the head off and say, yeah. it's me. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> that's I said, Noel, it's me, it's Carl Cox. Hey, man, that's a great suit. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely... He's such what a lovely a gentleman, suit. isn't he? Uh, he just rolled with it, man. He just absolutely rolled with it. I'm uh, going to meet him. I'm going to go and see him. I'm going to meet him in my suit. I've got to do it. It's something I've got to do. I'm going. <laughs> and I went. That's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I should have rugby tackled him, shouldn't I, with, yeah. the, with the suit? I just yeah. rugby tackled him. Just uh, for no reason. Just absolutely scrumpied off your nut. It's just perfect. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, um, so for the for this lull moment, what, what act uh, are we putting on in this quieter moment of the festival to, to make this all go beautifully? <laughs> well, you know what? I really was um, kind of over Adele. I think she's lovely. Beautiful soul. You know, she's lost a lot of weight now. She has. As a person, she is amazing. Her music does my head in. <laughs> Absolutely does my head in. I'm like, if I hear Adele one more time anywhere, yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to lose it. I'm just, I'm just, just over her. And then she played it again. Sorry, it's, it's my Glastonbury moment. I've been to many others, but, I'm, but the ones that I went to go and see, yeah. and my friends wanted to go and see Adele. And I'm like, are you sure you want to go and see her? Because she does my head in. And they go, yeah. look, how, you know, be open-minded. She's got some great songs. You know, it might be different than Glastonbury. I said, no, it won't be different than Glastonbury. I can't deal with it anymore. Every single radio station you put on, no matter what you're trying to look for, is one of her songs. Yeah. Or it's on a TV advert somewhere. At that particular time, she was everywhere. And, Hello, it's me. Ah! 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 I was like, no. But she came in at Glastonbury and she was so endearing and her songs came across so well and I really get her she's just a normal chick yeah. girl woman married woman divorced woman whatever going through the woes of life like us all yeah. and she sings those songs through her experience of yeah. life which connected with everybody yeah. like there's, a, there's about 120,000 people there and they're, they're nearly all in tears yeah. me included <laughs> well, this is and it. I was like oh my god the emotion of this. I, I, I'll get her now. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry yeah. that I felt like that about it before. I wonder why I'd add my can of red stripe and I was going to throw it at <laughs> But I thought, you know what, the red stripe, you know, to get another drink is going to be really long, long queue. Yeah, right? yeah, so I'll, I'll keep I'll, it. I'll, I'll think I'll keep this for a while. <laughs> and she was just phenomenal, you know. I, 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 really, I really felt it. Oh, it was, <laughs> That's a lovely, and there's a bit of a theme emerging with with both of the last two acts that you, the people that you, you sort of think you know, you think you don't like, but then they sort of win you over, and they often win you over at festivals, don't they? Because there's a different energy there. People connect in a different way at a festival sometimes to music, don't they? It does, and the thing that's what I love about festivals. You know, she she did a, a, an interview about her moment at Glastonbury, and she said she nearly threw up. Yeah. You know, because she was over, overwhelmed by a position, but when she performed, she looked like she owned the bloody place. Yeah. How are you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? People, make some noise!
So Adele goes on. Quite an emotional, it's quite emotional all around. We've had our lull. We are coming out the back of a scrumpy lie down and we're, we're coming towards sunset now. And, 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 and actually, this, this feels like, to me at festivals, don't know about you, it's like a bit of an arms aloft lighters moment, a bit communal, a bit like what you've just been describing. I, for me, it's always like maybe 7, 8 p.m. sort of slot where people are revving up for a big night, uh, but they're, they're a bit tired and emotional. It's, I, for me, it's a band like Elbow. Who who, who who kind of smash it and who kind of tear my heart out? Who do, who who are the the people that best inspire that kind of mass love in a crowd for you? I, I think the, the the thing is when you get um, to, you know at any point in the time before the festival, it can't always be go 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 all the time. You know you you, you find all your your bands and the people and, and you you're knackered, you're knackered. You know you you want to have a sit down somewhere. You know you find a chill out area. And that makes sense. <laughs> you know, other people that also feel the same as you do at that particular time. Yeah. So I always try to find a, a peaceful place to end up, you know, area where you've got some pillows and stuff. You just lay down and I'll go to sleep. <laughs> I miss the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the sunset, you know, and get a couple of hours in. <laughs> get a couple of hours in before the night time, isn't it? And I kind of get back up. Oh, I'll die for a pee again. Ah. <laughs> uh, Go try and find some food and get back at it. So, so, so. Back at it. So it's 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 halloumi burgers, it's scrumpy and it's power naps. Really, that is what it is, isn't it? If you, if you can find somewhere to lie down, you know, and, and just kind of gather yeah. your, your, yourself back sort of thing because you just need to do that. And I have no idea where the RV or the camp is, is at the particular time. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm on the other side of somewhere and and I'll get there eventually. Yeah. But this is, it seems like a really nice place to be. It is, be- it is beautiful and there are cushions. But, you know, if you were going to, if you do emerge and it's sunset and you, you're, you're looking for that kind of, a, a band or a, an act that encapsulate that moment. I mean, I remember reading or hearing about you, how you got into to music and you became a sort of DJ for hire for your family, didn't you? You used to mm. throw down records uh, for your family parties and you got to stay up late and that, that mm. seems to be where you got the bug initially, you know. Is that sort of music, when you hear it at a festival, something that really inspires emotion in you? Well... So to be honest, no, because I think the, the festival is is about you know experiencing something that you would never normally go to. Mm. So if I'm playing a, if I'm playing a record, you know, with my family and friends or mates, I probably wouldn't play anything from Pink Floyd. Yeah, <laughs> but I would love to hear Pink Floyd while I'm chilling out. Say yeah. like, wish you was here, for instance. It's context, and you're just like, oh, I get it, you know. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, you know, it's just like, I could just stay here forever listening to that. And for me, that's in my head. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm in that kind of mo- moment. So anything Pink Floyd, to be honest, yeah. at that particular time, you know, acoustic guitar, the yeah. way they you know, have to have all these harmonizations of their voices. Oh, beautiful moments that you can make from, from any Pink Floyd tracks. Or Roger Waters. Yeah, that in a sense they are the perfect sunset band, aren't they? Because it's that kind of that moment of relaxation, and you you know you see the sun go down behind the clouds, mm. behind the the hill at the back of Glastonbury, for instance, and then mm. down, 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 down. Like you say, yeah. that feels like a good thing to me, a good moment yeah. to do it. Because I think a lot of people might be surprised actually, because you're synonymous with the dance scene 
you know, with techno, with acid, with, you know, Chicago house, people might be expecting a Carl Cox festival bill to be all solid bangers and big drops and things. But we've had, <laughs> we've had some quite relaxing stuff here. What are we building up to for the headliner though? You know, this is it. This is the finale. Who are you going to put on? Your festival, your big night. Yeah, I mean, as, as I, I am, you know, uh, techno aficionado, and I do like my big beats and my, my live acts and, and my techno music, I think that Richie Horton, live, that full electronic regalia, full, and I'm just let him loose, just say, just absolutely rip the reds off. I think Richie Horton live would absolutely mess your head in. It will just 303 acid, all sorts of beats running around, and, and he'll just be driving, bam, doom, 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 relentless, 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 and uh, until you get beaten at the submission, and and until you just go right, I I, I just can't take him anymore. Thank Coxie, but I've, I've got to leave after about you know an hour. Uh, I think Richie would be the person that would absolutely just blow your minds with his sound. Just let him loose live for the end of my uh, festival. And a festival like this, Cox Fest, what is that what we decided Cox, on at the end? Yeah, Cox Fest, yes. Cox Fest. <laughs> you know, how long are you going to make Richie play? What's, a, what's an optimum length of set? It's almost like the heat death of the universe. Nobody ever wants this to end, do they? Well, he, he, he can play for 12 hours, so 12 I'll probably give him hours. six. Yeah. <laughs> Six hours, Jesus, and that—that's it. That's like a short set for Richie, by the sounds of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, he's—he's he's, he's quite skinny, and uh, he doesn't eat a lot. Um, he doesn't drink a lot, so you know, he has plenty of energy to to, to continue continue his kind of quest to play as long <laughs> as he possibly can. Um, but when you're going live, you can stretch out everything. Yeah, you know, if one of his five minute records could be twenty minutes. So that's just perfect. Uh, when was the first time you and Richie got, got together and played together? The first time that I actually met him was actually in Brighton uh, many moons ago. And uh, there's a club called The Pink Coconut. I have no idea how we ended up in Brighton. The guy's from Windsor, you know, from Canada. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing in Brighton? He was 16 to 17 years old when God. I first met him. He was a young, white, speckled, Bald. No, he actually bare headed. Like skinny. <laughs> Who are you? And what are you doing here? He goes, hey man, yeah, I've made a couple of records of, on my record label and they and a promoter asked me to come over and play some records. And it was, you know, pulsate records and you know, young kid, wide-eyed, bushy tailed, and I'm playing after Richie Horton. I'm just like, well done, son. Anyway, Richie Horton just went, wee through <laughs> through the roof. And then obviously you know, through time, I've got to be at many uh, events as we go along in our lives. But but Richie is still pioneering, still, you know, creating, still being the person that, that's flying the flag for electronic music um, in his inimitable way. And, and I think that he's the, the pure ambassador for, for, live, for live electronic wow. music in, in, in his way. Um, and that, for me, I think is the reason why I would have him on, on yeah. my festival. Well, I mean, that would surely be the apotheosis of a brilliant career so far to headline Coxfest and also to get away with just a, a six-hour set as opposed to a 12-hour set. You'd be happy with that. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's been such a... I'm, I'm knackered, obviously, because I've been trailing around after you. Yep, 100%, and you should be. I've <laughs> been bring, bringing you scrumpies, trying to find somewhere for you to have a power nap. We've had a couple of halloumi burgers. You know, we started the morning with Prodigy, for Christ's sake. Where do you go from there? We hit them up with Coldplay, Adele... 
just does an incendiary set where everybody's just in tears, and then Richie Horton finishes it off with a six-hour. I mean, it doesn't get much better as a festival than that, Carl, does it? I mean, and, and I've got yeah. to drive us home now. On the way home, do you, do we do things like, because we're a bit hungover, do we pick up a burger, or do we wait till we get home and have an, a, an Indian takeaway? What are we going to do? No, no, no. You, by the time you get home, all the takeaways are close. So oh. it, 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 it's not about getting home. No. It's about... The service station. Ah, uh, yeah. And you've got to kind of get in there and not have the, the last things that have been in there all yeah. day. So that's the trick. But if that's all there is, then grab that if you can because someone else is going to come and get it before you. So it really is, you know, a free-for-all. You've got yeah. to get, it, get in there, get your, get your sausages, get your beans, yeah. get that piece of toast, which is like cardboard, but it tastes amazing because they probably... I haven't had anything tasty since I've been at the festival and this tastes amazing. Get in that service station and grab everything. Use it or lose it. Listen, <laughs> Carl Cox, uh, the lineup was fantastic. It was it sent us on an emotional roller coaster. We've ended in, in, in absolute euphoria. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. And I hope that one day I get to see you at an actual festival. And if I do see you, I'll bring you a pint of scrumpy. That is the key to my heart. <laughs> I've got the key to That's Carl Cox's heart. That's brilliant. Yeah, just, un just unlock it. <laughs> Carl Cox, you legend. Thank you very much for joining us today on the lineup. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.